0: Warning, the 1982 project contains explicit language. We just can't help ourselves.
1: Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear a lamentation of the women. He decapitates his own father at the end of this movie. You know, James Earl Jones says, right. you know, wh- what would you be if not. What would you be without, without me? Like right. your whole your whole reason for living is to kill me, so in effect I made you. Like I like it's he's it's James Earl Jones literally saying, I am your father yeah. again. Right. right. Again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello and welcome one and all to the 1982 project.
1: My name is Michael Schatz. And I'm Matt Aldrich. And this is the show that settles the score with the films of 1982. <laughs> I'll say. We ain't partners. We ain't brothers and we ain't friends. What are you people? On dope? I got lower up the gold! He's a it. I'm afraid! All right! She likes Wonder. quick. let's, get, let's blow it up right away, all right? right. black man. This has a horror house in it! Now oh, that penis had huh. I'd recognize that penis anywhere. Well, fuck you two! You, go clean off my door. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Enough talk!
0: All right, Matt. We're still talking machismo this week, right? Absolutely. This is, it's Macho Grande week.
1: Yeah, it's Uh, Macho Grande. It's still Macho Grande. It's part two, part two of two, and I am so excited for these three movies. (laughs) I am too. (laughs) Remind everybody what our three movies for this week are. This week, we are talking Death Wish 2, Conan the Barbarian, Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. Now, let's pause. Because, uh, again, I (laughs) want (laughs) to... I want to just bask in the in the in the glow,. Glory? I want to bask in the glow. We, you know we, last last time we talked about Rocky Three and First Blood. and i want right. to ba- I want to bask in this for a little bit because we have one year that gave us these iconic characters that, for me, anyway, helped define what being a man was all about. Do you mean in the sense that you
0: watched these movies and aspired to be like these men? The way that I watch these movies,
1: as we've, as we've maintained, as, res- as, as we've established. Previously
0: discussed last week, I aspire to like fall from a tree and sew myself up. Yes.
1: Which, and I will tell our listeners, Mike, <laughs> you have fallen from a height and, and cut yourself open and you have sewn yourself up. This I did is, live that dream. This is a historical reality. <laughs> You you have lived the dream. These, for me, these were movies that I was taken to by my father. I saw, yeah. I saw every one of these movies in the theater. And Death Wish 2 you saw in the theater? Yes. My, Holy shit. My dad loved the Death Wish movies. He really loved them. And... And so I saw every one of these movies in the theater in a 12-month period when I was seven years old. So Uh, We might not have been friends because
0: (laughs) (laughs) I really wanted to see Conan the Barbarian and was not allowed to. And I might have been so jealous that I... You could have, like, TP'd my house or something. Fuck yourself, (laughs) Matt (laughs) Aldridge.
1: No. So did I aspire to be these guys? Not necessarily, but they were presented to me by... My father as, as as sort of on a platter right. as as like here it is with the seal of approval of the patriarch in your life, enjoy <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh,
1: did you watch these movies as a kid, even though you didn't see them in the theaters, were these movies that you saw? When you were young? I saw Star Trek II, in, in,
0: the Wrath of Khan in the theater, for sure. And enthralled by it. Because it was everything that Star Trek, the motion picture, wasn't. <laughs> True. Conan the Barbarian, I saw, you know, because I, I would hear my older brother talk about it. A lot of these kinds of movies, like if I didn't get to see them in the theater, it was hearing my older brother describe them that made me just wait with bated breath to be able to watch it. But I'd have to wait until it came out on VHS or... So I did not see Conan the Barbarian in the theaters. I have literally, until this week, never seen a Death Wish movie.
1: And I watched one and two, friend. You watched one? Just just to be thorough and because do your due diligence? Because two
0: pissed me off so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I told you you were going to need a shower.
0: Yeah. I went back and watched one... Because I thought, what inspired this many sequels in the first place? I don't even understand. I mean, so let's, you know, let's talk Death Wish 2. Shall we? Let's get into it. It happened once before. Some muggers followed my wife and daughter home from the market. It's about to happen again. The police there got a very good description of the muggers, too. But it didn't do any good. We do what we can. And so does he. Is this your daughter, Mr. Kersey? Mr. Kersey, is that Carol? When murder and rape are the crimes, Bronson is the only punishment.
1: So what was your experience? You've never watched a Death Wish movie. No. What was your experience starting with with number two?
0: Just distaste. Across the board, I had such a negative reaction to basically everything in this movie. It looks cheap. It's poorly made. Which is remarkable to me because... It's the same director. Yeah. You know, from from the first movie. I mean, Bronson's 59 years old when this movie is. And there's like three more of these after this. I mean, they go into the 90s, right?
1: Yeah, he was over 80 when he made the last one.
0: And Well, what's interesting to me is because we talked in a previous episode, we were talking about these are the movies that are still in our lives, that are still being made. Yes. And this had a remake just two years ago. Not Death Wish 2, but the Death Wish series got a remake just a couple years ago with Bruce Willis. And you're you're seeing gender reversals with movies like Peppermint and Rhythm Section. This is a thing. This is a recurring theme. This is a part of not even just
1: maleness, but American culture, the idea of revenge. Yes, yes. And this goes back. This goes back further than 1982. This goes back to cowboy stories. This goes back to the the American West. So to to introduce this movie to anybody who hasn't seen it, who can't already imagine what the plot is. (laughs) Right. Right. Because the name is called Death Wish. The, the, The plot of this movie, the plot of Paul Kersey in Death Wish 1, is that his daughter is... Raped, and, and his wife and murdered, his wife murdered. Right. and the 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 justice system fails him. The police can't catch the guys who did it, and by the way, neither can he. He's not hunting down Jeff Goldblum in the first movie; he's indiscriminately just killing criminals. Right, and and but he only does that interestingly after he goes to Arizona, and he Arizona, vis- and he right. visits an old West town where yeah. he sees the Old West brand of justice. And he brings that back to New York and then he becomes vigilante. But there's interesting vigilante.
0: stuff, you know? You find out that he did grow up with guns, so he's a good shot. And there's a great moment in the first movie where he's being followed and, a guy, you know, a criminal comes down and and says, give me your money, I want all your money. And he's facing away from him. And there's this great shot on him where he is... He is contemplating crossing the line. Mm -hmm. He knows what he knows if he does what he's about to do, everything's going to change forever. And he does it. And then the first thing he does is go home, fall to his knees, cry
1: and then throw up. Right. Because he was a he was a prototypical liberal guy. Yes. He starts the movie as a sort of progressive, forward thinking liberal who is forced into a situation where he sees the only option is going to be extra legal violence. Yes. And it, and it destroys him from the inside. So all of
0: that's interesting.
1: Totally that is interesting. dramatically interesting. And, and null and void from this second movie. Completely. It's just gone. That's the thing. And, and, and this is, we saw this in Rocky Three, which was taking a character and a franchise from the 70s that was filled with nuance and gray area and minting this new streamlined, no bullshit cowboy. Yeah that is only gonna be out for vengeance. So all of the, all of the nuance that you're talking about from the, from the first Death Wish movie is gone. All of the hand-wringing right. and the should I cross this line is gone. This Paul Kersey starts the movie, he can't wait to start yeah. <laughs> killing motherfuckers again. He cannot wait. And that is what is such a, uh, what makes this, this a, movie so different.
0: Yeah, this guy's a fucking architect.
1: He's a sociopath. He is a mass movie, murdering right. sociopath. In, in
0: the first movie, he's an architect yes. and he falls into these circumstances. In this movie, that you have hit the nail on what I found so distasteful about this movie. He is a fucking psychopath in this movie. Mm-hmm. And there's only one thing in this movie that I liked and it was that his girlfriend found him out. And Took le- a ring off her finger, put it on a piece of paper, and she is out of his life for fucking ever. Yes. It's the only thing in this movie that makes sense. It is
1: also in the last 45 seconds 45 of the movie. 45 seconds of the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. It's a long walk to get to the only satisfying thing. Oh, my thing. God. This movie, for the sake of people who haven't seen it, this movie is... Unwatchable in, in, in a lot of ways. There are yeah. there are two gang rapes, a kidnapping and a murder in the first eighteen minutes.
0: Right. And his daughter is raped again. Again. And then and then killed. And his That is an awful lot of tragedy to to befall one person on opposite sides of the coast. Yeah,
1: yeah. The whole the whole setup is his daughter, who was sort of remanded to psychiatric care at the end of the first. Because one, of the first raid. Because of the because of the events of the uh, what happened in New York, she is moved to a hospital in Los Angeles. Paul Kersey gets a job at a Los Angeles firm, and in short order, his maid and daughter are both raped and murdered. Yeah. And now it's time for Paul Kersey to take his take ex- care of business, take care of business, and take his extra legal activities to the West Coast, where it's murder and palm trees. That's that's really that's right. the entire pitch for this movie.
0: Yeah, but it's it, you know, like the problem with this movie is that you know he has to go through two funerals. This guy in this movie, yeah, one for the woman who was working for him, and then one for his daughter. But it's, it seems to take no emotional toll on him because again, he's a psychopath in this movie. But he's never; they they never uh, question that. They never. Even the cop
1: who's chasing him in this movie, says, "Kill that motherfucker." Not only the cop who's chasing him, but the the, the orderly at the psychiatric hospital. Yes, in the last right. Thing. This orderly lets lets Paul Kersey into the hospital to kill the last surviving man who raped and murdered his daughter. Paul Kersey goes in and the orderly who apparently longs for the days when they could do shock treatment and, and beat the shit out of patients says, says, I'll let you in the room with them and look the other way. Do your worst. It's another white man. It's another white man kind of tipping the hat to Charles Bronson saying, I got your back. Good on you, sir. Here's what I keep coming back to. I keep coming back. Right. I keep coming back to my dad, and we are going to keep <laughs> coming back to my dad again and again, because this this is therapy for me. We, I keep coming back to my dad, who loved these movies, and you're asking yourself why? I am asking myself, dear God, why? I remember him getting excited that there was another Death Wish movie coming out. When I watch this movie again there were images from the movie that i didn't realize that i had been carrying with me for 40 years right i when i saw the violence specifically the violence against the maid in the in the opening one of the yes. opening sequences the image of her naked body lying on the floor is something that i when I saw it, it's I was grotesque. like. When I saw it, I went. I like had a flashback, the way you would have a flashback to a car accident or something. Right. Obviously, Death Wish 2 was not made for a seven, an eight-year-old kid. Of course. It was made for my dad. It was made for aggrieved white men who feel like they didn't get their due, or that the system is somehow failing them. Right. And and that and that. They should be the law. That they should be the law and that the real danger is uh are these hopped up teens who listen to crazy music and wear crazy clothes and and by the way have dark skin. My father is somebody who absolutely would have tipped his hat to Paul Kersey and said, Good on you, sir, you did what the law couldn't, um and 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 uh have a nice day and thanks for making the world a better place. Um, and that's that, that's a good place to end it, isn't yeah, it? I think so. <laughs> this is a sickening movie. Do not go see it. Yeah, it needs to go away. Yeah. The
0: 1982 Project will be back after these messages.
1: We down deep inside of every man. There's a little boy and a tari and without any doubt.
0: Give a man an Atari game and he'll turn into a little boy. But don't worry, he'll be grown up enough to share it.
1: Have
0: you played Atari today? Ah, Kirk, my old friend. Do you know the Klingon proverb that tells us revenge is a dish that is best served cold? All right, Matt, let's get on to Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. This movie, Star Trek II, 87% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Well, in the pantheon and sort of the timeline of the Star Trek franchise, this movie turned the franchise around. In 1982, Mm -hmm. Star Trek was sort of existing as reruns, and I remember watching star trek the 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 series I remember watching it on like Saturday and Sunday afternoons. It was like playing on you know channel five on the at the four or five o'clock hour. I don't remember seeing the first movie in the theater do you i do yeah and what do you remember what was... I
0: remember falling asleep i, I as because I was a little kid yeah there's only two things I remember on my original watching of Star Trek the Motion Picture that was one a bald woman, two. I didn't make it through it.
1: <laughs> I think I think your experience <laughs> is typical of most people's experience of Star Trek the Motion Picture. Yes. You didn't have to be a child for that to to be what stuck out. But this movie took what was a franchise that was kind of on life support. It, it was existing yeah, right. it was existing as reruns on afternoon weekend television and then there was a we
0: certainly didn't have the next generation yet. No, no.
1: And then there was sort of a misfire of a, of a motion picture, a, yeah. mo- a movie that didn't do very well at the box office and not really well cl- uh, critically. And then you have Star Trek II come along, and you have a complete revitalization of the franchise. Right. So this movie is... Shot in the arm. This movie was a shot in the arm, and it was, is, it's significant... It's part of the, the lore now of 1982 that a lot of important movies were made, even though even if they weren't great movies, they were important. And we owe the exist. I, I think Star Trek is still around because of this movie.
0: Oh, just because of this movie. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this. Do you, when you saw this in the theaters, what was your, what was your reaction as a kid?
0: Oh, just, just, like, enthralled, excited. I think I latched on to this remarkable performance by Ricardo Montalban. These kind of movies and this kind of performance never get noticed, but to me it's an Oscar-nomination-worthy performance. It's that good. If you grew up when we did, certainly when I did... Ricardo Montalban is all wrapped up in Fantasy Island. He is this lovely, wonderful, wish-giving man. Yes. From this beloved television series. And so working against
1: that type fucking great. <laughs> like just so, amazing. It's so it's such great casting of the time, like you're saying. Yeah, like But like, they
0: originally came up with the idea, not even like not even thinking, "Oh my gosh, can he even do this?" And luckily, they worked it out with the schedule of Fantasy Island, and mm-hmm. it all came together. But
1: oh my God, that's fantastic! Yeah. I, I I love Montalban's performance because it rises to the level of melodrama that Shatner sort of is yes. always at, right? And and the Shatner has become you know it's it's become a caricature over the years as people right. as people impersonate. It's him. Become its own thing. It's become its own thing. So to watch it, you're like, well, those impressions are actually really accurate <laughs> because because they are both on this level with each other and no one else. <laughs> they are just on this level with each other and they're they're never in the same room, but they command they anchor They're each of their own separate ships. It's like a World War II battleship movie. Um, yeah,
0: right. At the, at the but t- it's in
1: space. And that right, you right. know
0: and that's what one of the things I latched on to as a kid. Like you understood that there was nautical military stuff going on mm-hmm. on on the Starship Enterprise, but that it was brought to space and there's something interesting in that that it's
1: yeah, the, like, the, the the starships in the Star Trek universe are very different than the starships in Star Wars, which is where I gravitated right. to as a kid. The Star Trek- Yeah, I gravitated more towards Star Wars. Yeah, but. Star Wars is fighter jets. Yeah. Star Trek is submarines. Like, right. you just gotta think of the two. So it's a lot of like, you have the calm and periscope up, periscope down. Yes. Let's ping them, let's see if they're listening. They're, they use the vastness of space not as the sky but as the sea this is more about the chess match of two submarine commanders yeah. trying to out but i'm out into that i was totally so into that
0: as a kid like just totally into the it.
1: idea of the two dimensional
0: thinking thing so they come to a stop and lower their ship instead of continuing on a path and
1: then coming up behind them if you search submarine movies <laughs> there are hundreds <laughs> of submarine movies right. this is a story that we keep telling ourselves again and again the yeah. t- two submarine captains, trying to outthink each other and out outmaneuver each other, that one of them is motivated by vengeance, and he's the he's the supporting character. He's not uh, he's not the lead. So is that why this movie works better? I think it's why it, it makes it a lot more palatable. Yeah, right. And and less macho. Like this movie sort of objectifies machismo in in Khan. I think I don't think it's entirely benign. This movie like the others we're talking about, put an idea out there that says like, okay, bad guys are going to have darker skin than the good guys, Pier- mm-hmm. period. You see that in Conan, you see that in Rocky, you see, with the exception of First Blood. This movie falls into that pit of casting a, 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 a non-white actor as the villain. You know, it's funny because
0: you see members of the... Of the Starship Enterprise, and you see different genders, different races, yeah. different nationalities, but of course, all the center people are almost universally white.
1: <laughs> yes, it, it, right? it, it is. It is. They're trying to be the UN. Yeah, and on some level, it works and is progressive for the age. Uh, I think absolutely, I, right, uh, right, But right. I, I can't give this movie a total free pass on this. Um, no, on that, on that regard, because. Not only are they casting uh, a non-white person as the villain, but they're sort of making a point of, of making him barbaric, you know. Yeah. And and we'll again see that obviously in Conan the Barbarian. So that that there's something savage about and feral about the about what Khan has become. Yeah. But for the for the love of God, this movie I I loved it as a kid, like you. Um, and, and I'm watching it again, sort of bracing myself for the cringes and the this isn't going to hold up. And God damn oh, yeah, it, no. if it didn't. I mean, there's a few, but like, God damn it. But not it, a if, lot. This movie holds up. This movie is really fun to watch. I was.
0: I saw this movie in the theater just a few years ago. Mm. Like a fathom event kind of a thing. Uh, you know, when I see Star Trek II, the Rat the Khan is in the theater, my first thought is, oh, I should do that. But I always also, you know, I, I'm, I'm reflecting back on when I was a kid. And one of the things I always loved, because wh- what I liked about this movie as a kid, and even I do t- still to this day, I love that Kirk is, with the help of Spock and everybody around him, but he's using his brains to fight this foe. Khan says, you have 60 seconds before I blow you out of the, out of the, out of the, out of space. And he, in one minute, finds a way to lower his shields. And I love seeing tactics on screen like that in this way. And it's not a specific manhood thing, but I like the idea of the heroes who are using their brains and not just their
1: brawn. I d- I would disagree. I think it is a manhood thing. And I think it's a different kind of manhood that's being presented. Like I said... You don't think women can be tacticians? Oh, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we have in Kirk a counterpoint to people like Paul Kersey and Conan the Barbarian.
0: Right, okay, okay, yeah. And
1: even Khan, who can only sort of go from this visceral, guttural place. Right. Where where Kirk has always had the power to be both logical and fiery. And that is in in the great construction of Star Trek, the two right. ha- the two halves of Kirk are are personified by Spock and Bones. And whenever sure. Kirk has a problem, he takes it to each of them. They each give him their one sided <laughs> advice and he right. kind of he kind of synthesizes yeah, and he the starts two. To the middle and, right yeah, he he kind of goes down the middle and he's he's a little fire and he's a little logic. What's interesting about this movie and i i, I what I didn't remember in sort of watching it again and I have a bit of a quibble with it too um is <laughs> is that what's interesting about this movie is that it's the first piece of Star Trek lore where Kirk is feeling his age
0: degenerating
1: he is the view of yeah right he's feeling his age and he's like i'm getting older it starts with his birthday and he's He's getting
0: a pair of glasses for a birthday present yes
1: he he needs he needs reading glasses and he's he's dealing with the um the realities of aging and i thought oh this is this is good let's see where this goes and it the, the 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 thread progresses uh through the story this is the story uh that that surrounds this piece of technology called the genesis machine which right. which enables uh people to bring life to an otherwise dead planet and that's kind of the that's the macguffin at the center of yes. of, of the film so we're talking about rebirth we're talking about feeling old and dead and and and, and a new dawn arising and Which happens to him. Yes. So by the end, he... he, he by He's th- saying the line, I feel young. He says, I feel young. And this is where I go, I throw the yellow flag. <laughs> yeah, right. I go, Totally. I go, I go, no. So now Kirstie Alley is never going to... Uh, uh, she's right. never going to get her exactly. own shit. Because you've decided you still feel young. So you're going to stay at top for a while. Right. And then what we have, frankly, is a, a series of Star Trek movies after that, where that cast is aging in front of us and still trying to do the daring do that grows increasingly, that increasingly strains credibility. It's a far, far better thing I do than I have ever done before. A far better resting place I could. I have ever known. Is that a bomb? Mm. Something Spock was trying to tell me my birthday. You okay, Jim? How do you feel? yeah
0: I feel young. I made the same note you did on that line. I
1: noticed that line and I thought,
0: oh, wow, I feel young.
1: Yeah, like, you don't get to feel young. I don't know, like, I, I really, I, re- I begrudged the movie that. But the, the, the rest of the movie- But I, that's
0: a minor complaint in, in an otherwise,
1: you know- It, does, it didn't ruin my enjoyment of right. the film and it didn't, um, it didn't make me physically ill the way that Death Wish 2 made me physically ill.
0: Uh, just one last thing. The only mm. thing I'll I'll leave Star Trek Two with is in the in the the guise of maleness. This is the least offensive movie.
1: Yes, it is the least offensive because it gives you at least some options to choose from. Yeah. there's there's a bunch of different men in this movie that you can look at. Kirk is dealing with his own fatherhood in this mm-hmm. movie and in right. the, the estranged relationship he has with his son. Per, per the mother's request. Yeah. The, the, so he, Those are interesting, good moments yeah, he
0: has Kirk, with her. Kirk, yeah.
1: Kirk is reckoning with his own aging, with his past, with the decisions he made, and his past is coming back to literally hunt him down and kill him. And he's yeah. having to reckon. This is, a, this is a movie about a man who's getting on in his age who has to reckon with his past. And that is as right. positive a version of manhood that we get to see in the movies of 1982. Absolutely.
0: 1982 Project will be back after these messages. I know my own needs, and what I need from an automobile, I know I get from this new Cordova. I could ask for nothing beyond the quality of Cordova's workmanship, the tastefulness
1: of its appearance, I request nothing beyond the thickly cushioned luxury of seats available even in soft Corinthian leather. Yet it is on the highway where Cordoba best answers my demands.
0: more in this small Chrysler than great comfort at a most pleasant price. I have great confidence for which there can be no price. In Cordoba,
1: I have what I need. It was a time, not unlike our own, when brutal danger was a part of life. this time that young Conan was orphaned at the hand of Thulzadu. And so it became a time for vengeance. But only after his body and his will were shaped by slavery on the wheel of pain could Conan begin his search. Conan the Barbarian, a film by John Miller. Barbarian. Now, when was the la- when? Did you watch this as a kid? Yes,
0: but not in the theater. I'm sure you did, but not in the theater for me. I did, and I have a story. <laughs> <laughs> of course. What? <laughs> what? What? Did it involve bail money for your
1: dad? It involved bailing. I will. I will tease <laughs> you with that. Um. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Did, were you watching? Were you watching this? Uh, were you watching this movie with your brothers, with friends? Like yeah, when, yeah. Like...
0: like this is one of those movies that I defer back to my older brother, like hearing my older brother talk about, and then thinking, oh shit, well, like we got to see that.
1: What parts and of it? What parts of it do you do you remember?
0: Most of it. I was shocked at how much I remembered, because I haven't watched this movie. In over a decade, at least, for sure. I mean, probably longer. Two decades, maybe. So, I remember him having sex with the witch. Okay. <laughs> I, because I, what I remember mostly about that was, like, that was the first time I can, as a young kid, remember seeing... It's covered, but it's, like, naked bottoms.
1: Yeah, yeah. You see, you know there's a mean? lot of there's a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger tush.
0: Yes, and so he's on top of her, and I remember having conscious thoughts of as a kid of like, oh, so the penis is in the vagina. <laughs> 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 you know, Eureka! Like, <laughs> like understanding how it works, kind of a thing.
1: Because
0: yeah, you know, I was
1: fourth or fifth grade, you know. Well, this so is for- this is what I'm saying is that these movies were teaching us. I know. <laughs> in the, yes, in the exactly. utter so- absence of of curriculum in school or parental guidance, <laughs> we had we had to rely solely on John Melius showing us Arnold Schwarzenegger's tush ass f- to have so- to have the epiphany of what's actually going on right there.
0: Yeah. And it was, it, was, it was strange to watch it again and, like, have that stick out to me. But there are, there are things that I think are quite interesting in the movie. When his mother dies, I, I remember remembering that as well. That stuck out to me because they don't show you the violence, but they show you the horror of it. You hear, like, the head hit the ground and her hand go limp and fall away from her son who was holding her hand. That's effective, and then the big one, the, the 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 thing I remember, sort of what you probably did as the kid who saw this movie. <laughs> I I remember being surrounded by other kids and my brother talking about the spike through the chest. The spi- the that was scene. the
1: only thing I remember. That remembered. was the
0: biggest thing. That yeah. was the biggest thing.
1: It was the biggest thing. I don't I I don't yeah. think anybody had ever seen that before. That that the level of violence. Right. And, in doing a little bit of research and digging. I was, because my experience watching this now was like, what was the big deal about this movie? Like, it seems mm-hmm. it seems by today's standards, maybe relatively tame or or even small. Um, I
0: have a note that this movie is less violent than The Walking Dead.
1: Yeah, like, but at the time, <laughs> you know? at the time, this movie yeah. was was pilloried for its its graphic violence and the amount of right. blood. I remember two things. I remember the spike through the chest. And for whatever reason, right before that battle sequence, and this is sort of the, the climactic battle of the movie, uh, Conan prays to his god, Yes, Kram.
0: I remember that too. Right? He
1: prays to this god, Krom, who he, he's never prayed to before. And he says, like, look, if you exist, help me now. Help me. And if you don't help me, then to hell with you. To hell with you, right? To hell with you, you know he says. Yeah. And
0: um, that I, is a, a I remember an that applause remember. moment in the theater, right? Like that I, th- I think it the, is. The, uh, the audience howls with laughter, in then.
1: Crom, I have never prayed to you before. I have no tongue for it. No one, not even you, will remember if we were good men or bad why we fought, or why we died. No, all that matters is that two stood against many. That's what's important. lord pleases you, Kram. So grant me one request. Grant me revenge. And if you do not listen, then I hell with you.
0: I have talked kind of off mic about Conan the Barbarian in the movie and I got the sense that you you have some, some ammunition loaded for this movie.
1: I don't really. Not in the okay. same way that I have you know, that I had with Rocky or, okay. or even Death Wish 2.
0: Because I found myself in the position of ready to defend this movie but I always remember as a kid thinking, look it's pretty good but
1: I, I remember being enthralled by it, but also bored by it at times. You know, for those who haven't seen the movie, it's a very simple story. One that when I start it, you can finish it You can for finish me. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when they say, like, exactly. A little kid in a, a peaceful agrarian uh, a tribe, you know, of sort of hunter-gatherers. Uh, yeah, 10,000 BC. Yeah, like, and then, uh, you know, marauding gang of Huns. Uh, comes in, lays waste to the village, enslaves the child. He grows up, and guess what? He wants to take revenge and kill the man who killed his parents. You know, right. so in the in the in the scope of Macho Grande, in the scope of these right. these manly men, here we have another revenge story. I like you. I'm not. I don't actually fault the movie for that. I, I don't mind a simple story. I don't mind even a revenge. Right. I don't even mind a revenge story. I think what Melius is doing is keeping it simple and letting that simplicity give it kind of the mythic quality that right that and the story that's the thing deserves. that I
0: think the movie does right. It you know it has a mythic quality because in preparation for this this episode, I also watched Beastmaster. Also 1982.
1: It did not make our top 50 list for the year. No. But a movie that I have seen 750 times because it was on HBO every other day.
0: See, and I saw it just as many times when I was a kid, but I, I, I found it remarkable that I remembered almost nothing. And like, I'm not saying this to to denigrate Beastmaster because I still think it's a really fun movie, But it's not as well made a movie as Conan is.
1: Not at all. Not at
0: all. It's obvious that they're in California. Like, (laughs) that they're they're, they're shooting in in California. They're in Griffith
1: Park, let's be honest. Yeah, they look
0: like they're in Escondido, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So, you know, so that movie suffers in a way that that Conan doesn't because they filmed it in Spain and it gives it this mythic quality that that still holds to this day, you know. That, That holds up in the movie. It,
1: no, the movie has a lot of things going for it. You know, it it has James Earl Jones and Max von Sydow kind of coming in to class the joint up and to, to class
0: the joint up exactly and to
1: counterbalance, you know, where Schwarzenegger, the young Schwarzenegger, is clearly challenged. You know, like the movie the movie centers around this guy who was cast for his physique, not his acting chops. Right. And his physique is again. We're talking about Macho Grande. This was a, this was sort of an endorsement of a specific kind of body, a specific man, right? right. And and we see this body, yeah. we see a version of this body in Rocky III, not just in Rocky, but in Hulk Hogan in in yes. in in his appearance, and. In the early 80s, WrestleMania and Hulk Hogan was also a big thing. And so these huge, right? These, um, you know, big triangular bodies were being sort of put forward to us it as a It is boys. kind of
0: remarkable that this movie, and maybe to a lesser extent, Rocky III, but it sort of gave rise to this mythos of outside of the movie as the man you want to be.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And I think we, we, we're not done with this body type by any stretch. You look at any of the Marvel movies, you know that, that machine takes actors who don't have that body and gives them that body so yeah, they can right. be in a Marvel movie. Um, we are still dealing with that triangle shape. You know, the, 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 the guy who made this film John Milius, He wrote "Apocalypse Now." Yeah, and, and then he would later go on to, to direct. Uh, red Dawn. Red Dawn. Right. So this is sort of between Apocalypse Now and Red Dawn, and what you have in John Melius is, you know, a very kind of red meat kind of uh, yeah fil- he wrote filmmaker. Dirty
0: Harry too. He, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like th- th- he is a guy who who writes about macho guys. He's a guy who writes about men. There's him.
0: There's the, like a Walter Hill. Those guys. Yeah. Like those the, directors. Th- and. Yeah. And, and speaking to Milius, I think there's something to do with um, filming at that time was different. I remember seeing a note that said Schwarzenegger was truly scared as he's running away from the dogs because those dogs were not great dogs and were violent and were going to like rip them to pieces if they caught them. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they I... just sort of allowed that sort of thing back then. And, what is that? And...
1: But what does that tell you, too, about manliness and the kind of
0: set that he it, runs? That's what I'm getting at, exactly. Like, Schwarzenegger felt like the movie was going well every time he got injured, <laughs> you know?
1: Oh, Jesus Christ.
0: The other thing I wanted to ask you about was this idea, because it, it is Valeria that I think says this for the first time, but there's a, repre- a repeated refrain in this movie of, do you want to live forever which feels I don't know wrapped up in the manliness question of hey put your life on the line yeah that, that that
1: if you're not willing to die for something things. yeah yeah if you're yeah, not willing right. to die for something if you're not willing to be attacked by actual dogs to get a shot then you're then you must not really want to do this arnold if you're not right. willing to yeah, put exactly. your own skin in the game, right, right, and I think that is a that is a a myth about sort of being manly and and, but I promise I promised you a story. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I promised you a story of, of when we saw this movie, and this I, I have to give credit where credit is due. I don't remember this story. This story was told me by my sister, <laughs> just recently. Um, Because she remembers seeing Conan in the movie theaters a lot more than I remember it. So my dad picks us up on Saturday to take us to uh, the movies. I'm sure over my sister's objections, we go to see Conan the Barbarian. (laughs) You know, which as again, you know, was like the most violent, you know, inappropriate thing you could take a kid to at the time. And so uh, halfway through the movie, though, he gets a phone call. Now, this is pre-cell phone. I don't know how he gets this phone. Somebody must have called the theater to come the get theater? him. The theater? Yeah. Because so he... And an usher came down and said... And said, and said uh, you have a phone call. He goes to the lobby to take the phone call. And uh, he, was, he was given the news that his houseboat had sunk. So he had to leave. <laughs> he had to leave in the middle of the film... And he left us in the, in the movie theater. <laughs> he, left, he left us <laughs> oh in the movie my theater. My sister is 13. I am seven. And he leaves us in the movie theater to go tend to his sunken houseboat. His sunken boat. My mother comes. Wow. And she picks us up when the movie is over. <laughs> I, I, what I love about that story is that's amazing. What I love about the story is... <laughs> it's that, just too much to unpack.
0: <laughs> it's too much.
1: Holy shit. <laughs> I can just say in a very simple sentence, while my father took me to see Conan the Barbarian in movie theaters, his houseboat <laughs> sunk and he had to leave us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it kind of tells you everything you need to know. that's your childhood in a nutshell that's my my whole fucking childhood right there (laughs) oh my god oh i'm crying oh that's great oh my god all right that's conan the barbarian i think we should leave it there conan the barbarian everyone yeah
0: wow that says it it all about conan the barbarian just sit
1: right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic board aboard this tiny ship. All right, Matt,
0: we're at the end, so it's time to discuss salt.
1: We have we have to we what, have to render are, our what verdict.
0: Are, <laughs> yeah, what, what what are your levels of salt for these movies? Let's start with Death Wish 2. Uh, Death Wish, I Death think Wish we, 2 is a, cu-
1: yeah, based on... it's a cup of salt. Yeah. I, I, I really have to... It's a heavy cup of salt. There is salt. no amount of salt... Fuck that fuck movie. That, fuck that movie. There is no amount of salt that will make that movie go down well. Agreed. Moving on. No, oh, yeah. I have nothing to add. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on to... St- what about... Yeah, go I was yeah, going to say, ahead. what about Star Trek Two? I got to say, I think it's no salt. Like you, I was
0: struck by his last line of, I feel young again. And I thought, oh, go fuck right. yourself. But, <laughs> but because it's in the last 60 seconds of the movie, you know, Star Trek has always gone out of its way to try to be gender inclusive, race inclusive.
1: Yeah, I, I, I struggle with this one because there is so much scenery chewing and there is so much you know un-
0: well that's just required oh, no with there's just
1: so much unbridled um like uh, like everybody's manhood sort of gets in the way of them making rational decisions and that's and, true and and I think, I think
0: i forgive it because especially because for Khan, it goes so it's so deliciously melodramatic yeah
1: that and i think that's the, that's the maybe that's the grain of salt that i'm trying to describe which is like this movie seems to be endorsing this kind of story. And it's certainly endorsing Kirk. And I, I don't think he's really worth endorsing in this um, movie all that much. I think um, I think Spock is the more noble character in this movie. Um, oh, and I sure. think even to your point, Khan's character has has a bigger axe to grind and is the more interesting character. I don't know.
0: I... I, I, I well, how about Conan the Barbarian?
1: I have to honestly say, grain of salt for the same reason. Um,
0: yeah, I'm grain of salt for this movie as well. I I, I certainly forgive more of this uh, uh, of the problems in this movie. I forgive it more because of the time and the place that the characters are in that make it less offensive than, say, a Death Wish. 2. Yeah,
1: but at the same time, it's so it so fully endorses this idea of revenge as as being yes. as being the only pure goal in the world, as being the only, like, what the pure, like, sure. it, it's saying, like, if you really, if you want to be pure of heart and if you want to live your fullest life, seek revenge. You never see them take this idea of like, well, what happens to somebody who actually seeks vengeance for a living? Like, what, what does that do to someone over time? It, what's the what's toll? The, what, exactly. What's the price you have to pay?
0: I can grain of salt these movies or at least this movie on the revenge aspect because if somebody close to me had died, I'm not going to go to the gun store and grab a gun and and start searching. But I think what these movies do do is they give a mental state in which if somebody wrongs you, you don't forgive them or you hold a grudge for way longer than you should. I think that does kind of invade our psyche and maybe these movies have
1: something to do with that i think that's part of it you know and so the question is you know is that a f- function of 1982 I, I i don't think it is because you know we, we're watching more than just these
0: i think yeah we still have the same
1: problem Yeah, we're watching we definitely still have the same problem and 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 certainly there are other movies from 1982 that are, are more nuanced and for me, like one of the most remar- remarkable things about 1982 in, in, as we look at all these movies about manliness in and total. violence and all of these things, you know, yeah. we, we have to remember that the winner of best picture that year was Gandhi,
0: you know, Gandhi, and so, like right. you can't
1: have a a, 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 a more polar opposite of a, of a, of a main character to Conan the barbarian than Gandhi. That said, you and I both remember seeing Conan the barbarian as a kid I I'm going to guess you yeah. don't remember seeing Gandhi as a kid. I certainly don't. Like like nope. so so in terms of what was reaching the youth of 1982, Gandhi was not the
0: If your dad if your dad picked you up one Saturday and said we're going to see my Gandhi. My dad would
1: never go see Gandhi. <laughs> he would never go see Gandhi. Period.
0: He's too busy fixing his boat. <laughs>
1: That's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> The 1982 Project is a production of the Everything Sequel Podcast, and was produced by Mike Chance and
0: Matt Aldrich. Original music by Emmett Aldrich and Murphy Aldrich. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Kobayashi Maru.